Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's week nine. It's a handicapping Tuesday coming to your inbox on Wednesday, I am Scott Pianowski, and we'll be joined by my co-host and my good friend, Yahoo Sports Daily's Frank Schwab in just a moment. Just a reminder that all the lines that we talk about today are courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. If you haven't signed up there, they have a great deal for new users. You can create a BetMGM account, place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. If that bet loses, you get your bet amount up to $1,000 added back to your account in free bets. Must be 21 years of age or older in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, the great state of Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Terms to apply. Go to betmgm.com slash yahoo to get started or use the promo code yahoo when making your first deposit. Without further ado, handicapper to the stars, Jonathan Taylor Wonk, Mr. Frank Schwab, aloha. By the way, that Jonathan Taylor prop hits in overtime. Yes, week. it does. It was, I, I mean, sometimes you just you, you need to get lucky. You need to get lucky. By, by the way, one real quick thing, Scott. Next year, if you could text me to remind me to not never, ever, ever get excited for the NFL trade deadline ever again. Uh, just nothing. I, I've, I wrote stories about it. I, I thought about over oh, this guy, that guy. Nothing. Just just a, another deadline trade deadline and the uh, uh, flatline trade deadline. I meant to say. In the yeah, NFL. flatline NFL trade flatline is a good phrase for it. Or, I don't you get know, it. Scott. As- Let me like really truly like. I know the Rams are on the other extreme, right? But why do these teams hold on to like six round picks? Like they're they're clutching pearls. Like what, you telling me like the Packers couldn't make one move. Like they could. There's not one move they could have made. It's not one move the the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs traded for like a third string tight end. They don't want big move the Chiefs really could have made. Like something had to happen at this trading deadline. And I'm just really it's just it just shocks me how how inactive the NFL teams are compared to the other sports, basically. And what I really don't understand is I think particularly this season there's a lot of striation where there's some awful teams mm-hmm. that ha- have players, contracts that they'd like to move, get some draft capital. The Jaguars are not going anywhere. The Jets are not going anywhere. Why not? Or teams like a, a team like, say the um, the Broncos, where they drafted their their next featured back. I know Melvin Gordon still has some tread on the tires. They're teams that need a running back. You, you're telling me you can't find a deal that makes sense. And the Broncos really fancy themselves making a deep playoff run centered around Melvin Gordon. I, I don't understand it. The, the Texans they did trade one of their running backs last week, and you know, in, in Ingram back to the Saints. But I, I think they could have. Anything anybody wanted on Houston, I get why the, the Watson trade didn't happen. There's a lot of reasons why that couldn't happen right now or didn't make a lot of sense. But anything else on that roster, I would think, would be open season. And as you look, we, we've seen, you said the Packers, right? I mean, they, they just seem so stubborn. Of Other than giving Randall Cobb to Aaron Rodgers, it just seems like they just don't want to do anything that will ever make their quarterback happy. And, and of course, Cobb did have two touchdown catches last week. But I'll never understand it, Frank. Yeah. And I, especially it just with, seems common sense. Common sense backs. does not win today especially running backs, Scott, it's like they should treat every NFL team, smart NFL teams should treat running backs like the Oakland A's treat closers where we'll pump a guy up. We'll get him some saves. We'll trade him at the trade deadline for far more than he's worth. Cause he's, he's just not as valuable as everybody thinks. And the same with running backs. Like, like you talked about Melvin Gordon, I think that's a great example. Denver's four and four. They should feel like, Hey, a couple things go right. Maybe we can stay in the playoff race. That's great. 
Melvin Gordon doesn't matter that we saw Derek Gore. I had honestly, like, I was like, I had to Google it. I was like, who is this guy? I have no idea who Derek Gore is. And Derek Gore looked great on Monday night. You, you tell me if you trade Melvin Gordon for whatever you're going to trade him for, it's probably a late round pick. And you, you, you just take somebody off somebody's practice squad, go, go find somebody on your own practice squad. You're telling me you can't get reasonably comparable production. I, nothing against Melvin Gordon, you know, on Wisconsin, but I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get why these teams, why the bad teams didn't trade, why the good teams weren't trading either. It was just a weird trade deadline. And also with the sounding of the trade deadline, that means you're now free to, if you were waiting to drop Allen Robinson in fantasy, uh, he has not yeah. been traded. He is still a member of the Chicago Bears. Um, we'll, we'll play Monday night at Pittsburgh and then not play next week. I think it's as good a time as any, as much as I like Allen Robinson, to maybe say goodbye. We will not talk about the Lions, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, or the football team this week. They're your week nine buy. It's kind of a, a sneaky fantasy bye week. There's a lot of players I need that are not going to be in uniform or you know offenses I wanted to gang up on, on Detroit maybe. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, we're not going to give you an extensive uh, analysis of the Jets trading tight end Dan Brown uh, or you know, Mel- Melvin Ingram went to um, the, what, Kansas City, right? A couple other small pieces. Niners picked up a secondary piece. But for, I'm sure Frank's working on a, a 2,500-word uh, <laughs> Leviathan and you know, to, to break this all down. But we're here for handicapping. We're here to cash some tickets. And before we get into the slate, Last week, I did a little Canisius Corner just to give you, you know, we want to give you not just the fish. We want to teach you how to fish. And I want to give out a piece of fancy advice or, or handicapping advice because I see the converse of this being floated around. Last week on a well-known gambling podcast, somebody was saying, was talking about the idea of betting the Bengals on the money line and laying minus 500. Now, obviously, the Bengals lost. It's easy to pick on it now. But Frank and I texted about this before the game. And I was told a long time ago, Unless you're betting on like a, a fixed boxing match, never bet a lot of money, never risk a lot of money to win a little bit of money. And that's my little gambling nugget for today. Bad idea. Again, even the fixed fight in Pulp Fiction didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. So don't bet a lot of money to win, to win a little bit of money. And I feel bad for anybody who maybe might have taken the Bengals on the money line because what probably happened after that game came in and you lose, you lose the way you did. Maybe you chased with the favorites later in the day, right? Maybe you thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll chase with the Chargers or I'll, I'll chase with the, the Buccaneers or uh, geez, the Cowboys don't have their quarterback. You know, Minnesota's a lock. And next thing you know, you, you've lost like whatever you, you built up the past four or five weeks. I mean, you, that can really send you down a bad spiral. So don't don't bet a lot to win a little. That's my tip for today. I've never seen it really work out because what, what's the upside? Like, okay, you're, you're going to bet however much. Fifty dollars went ten. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Like it just doesn't, especially in the NFL. I mean, I I guess maybe in other sports like college football, it makes a little. I, I don't do it. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to go down there. Don't do it in college football either. But really, in the NFL, which is just this week to week, whoever knows what's going to happen type of league. There's no locks. That's why survivor pools are so fun because. Teams get knocked out constantly that should win, quote unquote. And even in this year where we didn't have an upset for a long time, you knew they were coming eventually. I I got knocked out of one of my pools with the with the Bengals. Almost got knocked out of all my pools with the the Chiefs. So those are my remaining picks last night. So yeah, don't do it. Don't don't take these huge money line favorites. And I have one for you too because it just feels right to say this this week. And this I, I didn't I didn't follow this advice last week. I, I was on the wrong side of a lot of these games. Just because you see a team lost its quarterback or a key player, don't automatically think that they're dead money. These teams, look, we see this time and time again where, first of all, the line changes dramatically. We saw that with the Packers not having Devontae Adams, with the Cowboys, like you said, not having Dak. So you're already getting some value, like you're getting extra points, obviously. But NFL teams, when they lose their quarterback or lose any key player, almost if it's a good team, well coached or not like some one in 12 team in December, they rally around it. They, you could get that one week bump where they play really, really well around that backup quarterback. And we saw this over and over again on Sunday. It was a week of the backup quarterbacks, whether it was Trevor Simeon coming in off the bench, maybe a live bet, the Buccaneers at that point, whether it was Gino, you know, I mean, you were only having to give three and a half against a terrible, terrible, terrible Jaguars team. You should have been on that. Or, or the Cooper Rush game where you saw everybody play well around the quarterback. Or the Packers, who had a lot of guys out, I thought everybody stepped up, and that was really a team win. So that's why the one thing I didn't follow last week, and I got to keep in mind, I got to kind of almost remind myself today, just because you see a team 
you know, just because their quarterback's out or some key player, hey, don't, don't think they're drawn dead because it's the NFL and you're going to see a one-week bump a lot of times. Yeah, and, and there's so many talented players we just don't know a lot about either uh-huh. um, that sometimes Mike just White. need a chance. Mike White. I was yeah, on well, here last glad you brought up Mike White. Look, um, I, hey, real quick. I was on here last week saying – the, the Jets can't score 10 points. So I fell for it, too. Like, it happens, but don't don't go down that rabbit hole too often. Well, let's talk some more, Mike White, as we'll start, as we always do, with the primetime Island games and uh, the sizzling Jets. The only two wins this year, but they've been over the Titans. And then right. last week against the Bengals, so they've beaten two decent AFC teams. Now they're going to try to do it to the Colts. They'll try to do it on the road. The game's at Indianapolis on Thursday. It's a 10.5-point spread, a 46.5 total. You know, Frank handicapping fantasy it comes down to good decisions and with the colts i see two constantly bad decisions with this team one they won't use jonathan taylor as much as i think they should and then carson wentz was a walking bad decision now, i know that the the left-handed pass is, is maybe the the play everybody gravitates towards because it's a really juicy you know video clip right but you and your um weekly power ratings you you focused on the last Wentz interception, the in, the overtime interception, where Jonathan Taylor is wide freaking open. He, he's going to get 20 or 30 yards, I think, right on this catch. Yeah. It's right in front of Wentz. And he said, no, you know, I'll throw it into coverage and throw a pick and lose the game. Bad decision. I don't know why they don't use Taylor more. Not that they don't use him, but I, I think he should be getting – I mean, the fact that we had needed overtime to win our prop last week, and some people who bet that prop late would have lost. Another tip, by the way – you get to shop around for these props, and if you like a prop, try to get in on it early because that, that line really moved during the week. Sure did. Um, so that's certainly something else to consider. I, I just wish the Colts would make better decisions. I, I'm i leaning towards the Jets here, and I, I don't think the Jets are a good team. I think they got lucky last week. I think that could, could have been just kind of a, a one-time isolated thing, but nothing about the Colts makes me want to spot this big of a number. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. I just talked about that one-week bump you get. It's usually just one week. You can't keep that up week after week, so... Could we see a bit of a letdown from the Jets here? Yes, but I, I do think it's too many points. I, I don't really feel comfortable laying 10 and a half with the Colts right now. Carson Wentz has basically turned into Tampa Bay Jameis, where everybody talked about Jameis like he was just some bum and, and he was a slappy, but he just threw too many interceptions. He was actually a pretty good player. Like I, I know you can't say this, but if you take out the bad plays, <laughs> he was actually pretty good. He threw for 5,000 yards. And you could see what Carson Wentz were. He'll make some good plays. And you're like, wow, okay, Carson Wentz is playing pretty well. And then he just makes these mind-numbing turnovers. And you're like, what are you doing? What on earth are you doing? And like you said, that the, the interception was just the, – the, the one that was the pick six, the left-handed one, was just mind-blowing. I mean, what are you even doing at that point? But I thought just – if you're talking about how a quarterback plays down-to-down, I thought the, the one in overtime was even worse because it was just a – it's first down – you're just throwing into to tight coverage. There's really no way you're going to squeeze that ball in there. Kevin Bayard's a really, really good safety for the Titans. When you have Jonathan Taylor literally five yards in front of you and he's going to run, turn around and run for 20, I, I just, I'm a, I think I'm to the point. I just have to give up on Carson Wentz. It's just, it's too hard to bet the Colts. They're really good around him. And Carson Wentz has his moments, but he also has those plays where you're just like, I can't do it anymore, Carson. I can't. I just can't back you. And I got the same way with Jameis where I was like, you know, I had him on a lot of fantasy teams that last year in Tampa Bay because he was just throwing for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. But you betting-wise, no, you just can't because you don't want a quarterback who's just going to throw you out of games like that. That was a fun Jameis year. The 30, and that season ended on a pick six for his yeah. 30th interception. And they should do a documentary on that, the 30 for 30 Jameis. But you know, Wentz also, when he's not throwing interceptions, he's throwing his receivers into peril. I mean, he's oh, throwing yeah, hospital yeah. balls out there. It's yeah. really hard to watch. I thought he got away with some loose throws in the win over San Francisco. And yet there is still a playmaker element to Wentz, and he's done some good things, but I, I'm not going to spot the big number. And, and look, when you take a big dog, you know you may tune in Thursday night. It might be 38 nothing Rams. I'm sorry, 38 nothing um, Colts. That's in the range of outcomes, um, range of outcomes. So, I accept that. That's the life you choose when you play underdogs. By the way, I think eight underdogs won outright last week. Yeah, so it was a, I think it was I thought week. it was actually nine. But yeah, I mean, was it, it was nine? Okay, another another week where road teams and and underdogs like it's it's just a thing now. So here's we talked about injuries and line movement and all that stuff. Well, Derrick Henry out indefinitely. I think he's probably going to miss the rest of the regular season, if not the entire season. So the surging Titans, after all those big wins that they've put together, now they take on the NFC favorite Rams on Sunday night. L.A. is the home team. They're spotting 7.5. If you want to bet the total over at BetMGM, it's 53.5. 
This is a tricky one. Um, we know that line movement generally is tied to quarterbacks. I, I don't know what this line would have been if Henry was active. Obviously, they don't have a great backup for him. Um, they've added Adrian Peterson. They, they can try to replace him from within, but there's, there's nothing special in this backfield. Uh, do you think the Titans can hang without Henry at L.A.? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'll, I'll be on the Titans here. I just Me think too. the line move was just too much. I, I think that uh, nothing against Derrick Henry. He's, he's probably my favorite player in the league right now. He's unbelievably fun to watch. He's a unicorn. We know how good he is. We know how valuable he is. But again, just what I talked about. Oh, oh Derrick Henry's gone. The, the Titans are, are done. They're dust. They're never going to do anything. That, I don't really know that that's the truth, especially with a running back. Can they patch it together? Jeremy McNichols, whatever they're going to, Adrian Peterson, my goodness, I, I don't know how that's going to work. But uh, can they patch it together for at least one week to keep a game close against the Rams? I do think so. I, I think that this is just screaming value on the Titans based on the overreaction of the Henry injury. Henry's great. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I, I'll take, you know, this is still a Rams team that almost lost to the Lions two weeks ago. Uh, the Titans have been playing pretty good ball, and it's not all Derrick Henry doing that. I'll take the Titans here, and I actually pretty feel pretty good about it. I again, like you just said, like yeah, I could look up and you know, oh wow, the the Titans' offense can't move anywhere because yeah, Derrick Henry's that valuable, and they're down twenty one zip. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that the Titans can stay in this game and, and keep within a touchdown. And Henry, you know, was pretty muted the last two weeks. I don't know exactly when the injury happened against the Colts, but he did not. It go was over pretty early. Years. I remember seeing him. Okay. They were looking at him, and you're like. And then he comes back in the game. You're like, oh, okay, it's fine. And then he shows played like three how, quarters on a broken foot. Yeah, It shows you how tough these guys are. Right. I, it's unbelievable. But um, he didn't go over 100 yards against the Chiefs defense that nobody feels good about. The encouraging thing with Tennessee is that for years they've asked A.J. Brown to make do with five to seven targets. And they finally bumped that up. They finally moved that, modulated that to where it should be. I, I still think he should maybe get double-digit targets off the bus. Don't know what Julio Jones' status will be. He's probably going to be week to week for the rest of the season. But A.J. Brown finally starting to dominate the market share in Tennessee like he should have been all along. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, it was almost criminal. I I was I was bummed out a little bit that they traded for Julio because I was like, ah, I wanted to see the 180 target A.J. Brown year. Well, we might get it anyway because Julio basically can't stay on the field. So I'm with you. I'll be grabbing the points with the Titans. The other primetime game is Chicago. Justin Fields finally showing some signs of life. They head into Pittsburgh where the Steelers are 6.5 favorites at BetMGM. Very low total of 40. What are you seeing on Monday night? Yeah, and I get any reason why somebody would take the Steelers. The Bears, I mean, it's 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 tough to take them. Especially, you know, we don't know if Cleo Mack's going to be back. And uh, this is not really a good football team. But I still don't trust the Steelers. I still... I was on them last week. I was, you know, they won the game. I mean, after even after the Chris Boswell debacle where they get their kicker hurt and now you got to go for it and can't kick any field goals the rest of the game. Uh, they still won that game. They did play pretty well. But I'm not I'm not ready to lay six and a half with them. I just think this offense is too limited for that. But the games they win are going to be just like last week where it's 15 to 10. And I can see that game kind of manifesting itself this Monday night too where it's just going to be, 1713 or whatever it's going to be. I actually thought Fields, Fields did make strides last week. That I, I talked about with this with Charles on Sunday night where that fourth down touchdown run he had was just, you're not going to make that play unless you're confident. And he looked really confident in, in making everybody miss, running up and down the field, getting in the end zone somehow. And I think that he's finally feeling a, a little bit better about himself and how he's playing. I think the Bears are, are going to put up a ton of points. They're not a good team. But I, I almost got to take them by default because I'm not ready to, to do minus six and a half with the Steelers. For the first time, it looked like the Bears had a playbook that asked itself, okay, what is Fields good at? Mm -hmm. You know, what? how can we set him up to succeed? And, you know, I, I don't mean to kick Matt Nagy when he's down, but, you know, Matt Nagy was un unavailable last week because of COVID. And it, it looked like the offense was, I don't know, just seemed like their plan made a lot more sense. It's easy to say when... Fields makes a few plays. He didn't play perfectly. He took four sacks. They didn't move the ball that well at the end of that game. But it's just nice to see some positive strides there. With the Steelers, as much as I love Mike Tomlin, I, I think he's just one of the best coaches in the NFL. I mean, I think there's something presidential about Tomlin. Just he really the way he commands the room, the way he handles the media, the way he owns the situation. I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers as a great team to bet on when they're undervalued, when they're counted out, when they're underdogs. And we've seen so many times when they're favorites – and especially like around right. a touchdown, six and a half in the spot, 
they play down to the level of competition. That's just been a Pittsburgh yarn for so many years. And I just think this is a game where it's going to be like, what are the, what are the Steelers doing? Why is this game still close? Put Chicago away. Right. So I could only be on the bears in this. Spot. Well, let me ask you something real quick before we move on. I, I mean, this is kind of teaser territory, right? Six and a half. And it's also, if you're really feeling lucky, it could be a survival pick. If you're still alive, you didn't have the Bengals last week. How do you feel about teasing Steelers? Cause honestly, I, I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't think I'm going to do it. Because I don't trust Roethlisberger. Simple yeah, as that. Simple as that. I'm, right? I'm afraid he's going to make loose throws. And, you know, all the things he doesn't want to do, right? Doesn't want to be in shotgun. Doesn't want to have motion, pre-snap motion. Doesn't want the ultimate cheat code in the NFL, which is play action. Um, I do like the connection he showed with Freeman. With what, what a great touchdown catch he had in the right. Cleveland game, too. But it's just Pittsburgh, not not that the Bears are coming in and going to light the world on fire. I mean, the Bears haven't had a 4,000-yard passer, for crying out loud, in their history. But... Pittsburgh's so hard to watch on offense. They're just saying, okay, Najee Harris, try to beat the opponent three and a half yards at a time. That's what they're trying to do right now. And every once in a while, they throw a pass to Deontay. Johnson is terrific, and Claypool's good, and I like their rookie tight end. But Roethlisberger, maybe he should have retired a year or two ago. I I think Pittsburgh needed a succession plan. They don't have one right now. It's hard to watch a team, again, very well coached, um, great infrastructure, great defense. You talked about how important it was to get TJ Watt back, and he was just destructive in that whole Cleveland game. And, man, they, they sure loved a big brother of the Browns, don't they? Just to <laughs> remind you, isn't Roethlisberger the winningest uh, quarterback in that stadium since oh, they reopened it? Now, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, they opened it, which is a crazy stat, right? But don't bet the Steelers. It's They're not they're not a reliable favorite. I can't do it. I can't, I can't advocate either. it, and I, I don't want anybody listening to this to do it either. So. Uh, you can tell me you think it's wrong, by the way. I'm sure Pittsburgh Nation will tag this and jump all over me. Just tell me before the game. Don't tell me after the game. Tell me before the game you think it's wrong. And with that, so what do we do with the Browns and Bengals? Both teams kind of showed us their their bad side last week. Green, uh, Cleveland did not play well against Pittsburgh. And obviously Cincinnati had the signature game of the week where they lost somehow to the Jets. So it's a straight three. The Bengals are at home spotting the three to Cleveland. The total is 46 and a half. And Man, I, I don't really know what side I want to be on. I guess I want to I lean towards giving the Bengals a pass. Uh-huh. I, I think there's maybe more things about Cincinnati that I liked in Cleveland. I mean, we know Mayfield's playing hurt. We know OBJ goes together with Mayfield like oil and water. If anybody would have taken that contract, I'm sure the Browns would have loved to be done with it. I don't even think they could. I think if they waived Beckham, nobody would take the contract. I think that's what it's gotten to. So I probably lean Cincinnati, but both teams haven't played well last week. It's just hard to know what to do. I, and I'm, I actually pre- feel pretty strongly about this one. I'll be on the Bengals. And, you know, I mean, if you know betting, you've probably heard of the zigzag theory, right? Sure. It's a, it's a playoff series type of deal in the NBA or NHL where if one team wins game one, just go with the next team in game two and just keep going back and forth. And I feel like that's, that's why I'm leaning with the Bengals here because two weeks ago, they, lit the world on fire. I mean, they, they looked like one of the NFL's better teams when they beat the Ravens. And then I didn't, you know, I, I should have, I should listen to myself because I said this on a couple of our podcasts last week that there might be a letdown for the Bengals. And boy, was there ever like for them to lose to the Jets was just awful. But to me, that's a young team that can't handle prosperity yet. They let down and they just took it too far. They, they, sh- they, they can't lose the Jets no matter what. And so I give them a pass. I just kind of say, all right, if, if, if nobody's as good as they looked last week or as bad as they looked last week, so what do we make of the Bengals? I still believe in this team. I, I still, I, maybe the Browns come in, beat them, and I'll change my mind on Cincinnati a little bit, but I almost looked at, look at this as a zigzag game where it's like, good Bengals, bad Bengals, we're going to get good Bengals this week. And I just, as weird as it, it's, it is to say, I just think the Bengals are the better team right now. I, I just, I, I think that their defense is underrated and had a really, really bad week. Their offense can score. Uh, I think that let's say the Bengals go into the Jets and win by 10 last week in kind of one of those boring games you're never going to remember. I think this line will be four and a half. I I think you're getting a little bit of a discount because the Bengals lost to the Jets, which I get, trust me. But if you give them a pass, then the minus three looks like value, and it sure does to me. I'll be on the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals had a double-digit lead late in that game. You know, they just didn't close it out. There was obviously a really controversial call. I agree with you that I, I like to fade outlier results to the good or to the bad, which would have had you off the Bengals last week and maybe gets you back to them this week. The one thing I wish were different is, you know, I love to I love to bet on a team I believe in after it's been embarrassed. And the Bengals are a team, I, I guess, to some degree I believe in. I just wish it wasn't Zach Taylor's Bengals. If this were Bill Belichick's Bengals, if this were Mike Tomlin's Bengals, if this were John Harbaugh, Sean Payton's yeah. Bengals, right? <laughs> Sean Payton's a good one, yeah. Yeah, one, one of those coaches, you know. Greg Popovich's Bengals. You know, I, I'd love to come back to them. You know, Steve Kerr's Bengals. 
I'd love to come back to them after being embarrassed. I just don't know if Zach Taylor is a good coach or not. I in before the season, I would have said absolutely not. Uh, the Bengals have been frisky. You know, Burroughs had a nice season. You know, Chase already has the Rookie of the Year trophy probably on his mantle. It's an easy story to rally around. And the defense, I thought the defense, the thing that shocked me about them losing is the defense playing as poorly as it did. Because I thought this was a yeah. top 10 defense right. for agreed, sure. Agreed, yeah. And maybe a top five defense. And then Mike White just riddled them and, and went up and down the field against them with impunity. And I, I just didn't think that was possible. But um, I agree with you that, look, let's let's zig, let's zag, let's, let's fade the outlier performances. That There are just going to be some results that don't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense that the Jets also beat the Titans who have been smashing everybody since then, right? I mean, uh, beating teams, <laughs> right. you know, we, we all respect the Ravens. You know, we all, to some degree, have to have some respect for the Chiefs. They beat a, a good Colts team in Indianapolis, or at least a, a reasonable Colts team. Um, although Wentz had a big say in that. I mean, we, the Titans losing to the Jets doesn't make sense. The Packers losing to the Saints to the degree that they did on opening day doesn't make sense. How did Pittsburgh ever beat Buffalo? There's just going to be some right. games like that, and we just have to shrug and move on and, and a lot of times discount those results. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There, it's the NFL. You're gonna see some really weird stuff happen, and you just kind of have to. You have to. It's the tough math of the NFL, where you say, "All right, were the Bengals exposed last week? Were they? What's kind of the outlier? Like you said, something's got to be the outlier here. Was it them just beating the heck out of the Ravens, and or was it them losing to the Jets? What do you throw out? You got to throw out one of these, right? And I'm, I'm willing to because they had played fairly well in other games, beat a, a Vikings team. I don't think is dead necessarily i think are okay they the bengals have played fairly good football this season they're back at home and it is a big game for them biggest game probably a few years just because it's that in-state rivalry i i'm i'll throw out the loss of the jets and maybe it burns me but but i'm willing to find out so it's, it's hard to know after a team you know stubs its toe to know what to do the next week sometimes and the, the cardinals man they, they did not play well against green bay i know they had a chance late and obviously murray threw the pick in the end zone but i thought Murray looked really shaky that whole game. I, you wonder how yes. hurt he's playing. They go to San Francisco now, who's another Jekyll high. I mean, look, Arizona's been good most of the season. San Francisco's been very frustrating. They've been up. They've been down. They played very poorly, I thought, against the Colts. They they played a reasonably good game at Chicago, but what does beating the Bears really mean? The 49s right now are minus one over at BetMGM. The total is 45. I, I've been having a lot of trouble with this one. I, I don't have a strong lean right now, so I'm just going to throw it to you and see what you say. I mean, it's all depends on Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, he's day to day with this ankle sprain. Colt McCoy's behind him, I believe. And if you believe, like, there's a lot of things you got to unpack here because, again, just because Murray's out doesn't mean necessarily that the Cardinals are dead. Like, they're they're going to rally around Colt McCoy. They're going to play good football. But Kyler is a special kind of quarterback where he just makes things happen where nobody else can. Colt McCoy ain't making the plays Kyler Murray can. We know that. Like, he's just not that guy. So I, I, I do think I, I hate to fall in this trap again of, hey, if it's a backup quarterback, I feel like I'm I'm on the right side. But I, I'll be on the 49ers. I haven't given up on them being a good team. Uh, they, they had a nice win last week. Uh, the Cardinals are a very good team. And everything they've done is legit. But I think if there, there's two ways this can go, and it was almost like the Browns last week and one of the reasons I was on uh, on the Steelers, is there's two options for the Cardinals here. Either you don't have Kyler Murray or you're going to have Kyler Murray playing at less than 100%. And which of those is even the better option? We saw last year, Kyler, he's never missed a start, very tough dude, but he tried to play through injury last year and it did not work out well. It was a different Cardinals team. So I think that there's been a huge line move in this. It's it's moved a ton toward the 49ers, and I think it's justified. I think that Kyler Murray's one of those guys where I just say, yeah, they can't replicate what he does. And I think that this was kind of a, a lying in the weeds game for the 49ers anyway, where they could have ambushed the Cardinals coming off a tough loss. I think that, again, I haven't given up on the 49ers being a good team this year. I'll be on the 49ers. Maybe Kyler shows up and, and plays out of his mind or Colts rally around Colt McCoy, whatever's going to happen. But I, I think the 49ers are, or I'll be, I'll end up on them and then see what happens. Yeah. I think maybe you talked me into San Francisco. You know, I know they had a lot of trouble with Jonathan Taylor, two weeks ago but this is a good defense maybe taylor's just one of those special talent i mean taylor might be the best running back in fantasy right now with with henry hurt they did a really good job on khalil herbert who had been running on everybody yeah. last week and it sounds like they might get kittle back and not only is george kittle a terrific receiver and terrific fantasy player but he's such a great blocker he's such an infectious player just an all-out you know just the way he plays i think just getting him back in uniform even if, even if he was just used as a lineman and he only targeted him a couple of times will help their power running game. Elijah Mitchell's on a nice run right now. The season Debo Samuel's having, he, he's unbelievable. 
I think he's caught 15 of, of his 18 longest targeted passes this year. I want to say was the tweet I saw. I mean, he's just he's playing at a ridiculously high level when the quarterback play has just been so so. So I think you've talked me into the 49ers. You know, when the Chargers, as I pivot to the next game, when they beat Kansas City, I was ready to get a parade route for them winning the division. <laughs> They're going to go yeah. deep in the AFC and let's, let's spit all these props and be early on the Chargers. I, we were actually in on them before they beat Kansas City. And since then, you know, Brandon Staley, favorite for coach of the year. And since then, they've done everything to, to make me discount them. They had a horrible loss before their bye to a good Baltimore team. And the Patriots just basically pants them. Uh, Belichick is 2-0 and against Justin Herbert now. And the, the game didn't seem fluky at all. Now they go to an Eagles team. I, I thought the Eagles were going to lose Detroit last week. Uh, spoiler, the Eagles did not lose to Detroit. No. Uh, they had the make Miles Sanders fantasy managers uh, angry game where they decide for once to actually commit to the run. And they ran like like a 1970s Big 8 team, right? They ran like 78 running plays, it felt like, at Detroit. Slight exaggeration. So it's just, this is a tough one for me because I'm waiting for the Chargers. What happened to the Charger team I fell in love with? Uh, they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Philly. The total is 50-and-a-half. Can I get my Chargers back? What happened to this team I, I thought was great a month ago? Yeah, and I think a big deal to them is Mike Williams. He has four catches for like 46 yeah. yards the last two weeks. He Looks was hurt. dominant. Uh, yeah, he, he had been banged up uh, going into that Ravens game. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that, that's worrisome. If you got Mike Williams a fantasy, like I do, of like, oh, okay, we need him to come back. Is it going to, I, I still, I, I gotta be on the chargers here for, I mean, and, and it's two pronged. It's, I haven't given up on the chargers being a good team. I'm being stubborn. I'm always stubborn on the chargers. It's just, the chargers have this, this control over me that I just have to bet them every single game, every single year. But the other side is, I don't think Eagles are good. I just don't. I know they beat the heck out of the Lions, but what does that even mean? Uh, they're just, uh, they're a mediocre football team. Home field means nothing. So I'm not even giving much for that. I, I just think the Chargers are the better team. And if, if the Chargers lose this, then it's time to be like, what? maybe the Chiefs end up winning this division at, you know, nine and eight. I, I just, I, it's, it would be terribly disappointing if the Chargers lost this game. And I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to go and win. Yeah, maybe Justin Herbert just, you know, he hasn't solved Belichick, but he, he's still somebody I feel really good about. We, we've said all season that Jalen Hurts is the biggest gap between fantasy value and real-life value. I don't think the Eagles are sold on him past this season. I still would buy Brendan Staley stock. I would not buy Nick Sirianni stock. So I, I guess I'll, I'm going to probably lean to the Chargers to get a bounce-back effort here. You know, speaking of coaches, um, I was a big Mike Zimmer fan not that long ago, and – Starting to wonder what his long now he has fixed the defense in Minnesota, but it seems like how many times do we have to see them come up small in, in a primetime spot? That's also a Kirk Cousins problem. Uh, this week, Minnesota goes, so they, they really did not acquit themselves well against the Dallas team without starting quarterback on Sunday night. This week, they go to Baltimore, fresh off their bye week. The Ravens are five and a half point favorites, which seems kind of high. A uh, total is 49 and a half. What's your lean on Minnesota Baltimore? Yeah, and I think you said it well. It seems kind of high, and that's why I'll end up on the Vikings. So let's talk about the Ravens for a second. We know that other than the Chargers game, where they just matched up well, the Chargers can't stop the run. That is the one fatal flaw of the Chargers. That is clear now. Uh, aside from that game, the Ravens have either lost or been on the high wire in every single other game. And so all of a sudden I'm going to lay five and a half against the Vikings team that yeah, they they had a very very bad loss on Sunday night. You you knew, look when the Cowboys are like, we're just going to concede this week, take the win. We're going to sit back. We don't want to get them hurt, and they end up winning anyway with Cooper Rush. You really have to look at yourself in the mirror at that point and say, who are we as a team? But this Vikings team has been. I mean, it's, again, they almost they should have beat the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. They they should have beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. There's time and again. They've just had these bad, bad losses, and that doesn't excuse them. I mean, that there's something in your DNA when you're losing like that every single week. But I still think they have the talent to, let's say, at least keep this close. I I don't know that I can just sit here and say, yeah, oh, yeah, the Ravens are going to blow them out because they're not blowing anybody out except the Chargers, and the Vikings aren't getting blown out. So I don't see why this line should be five and a half. It feels like the loosest Baltimore defense we've seen in a while, too. I, <laughs> I know Minnesota didn't do a lot on offense against Dallas, but I would think that there's a path. I mean, they got to get their playmakers going. You know, they got to get Cook going and Jefferson going because they were both relatively ineffective. I don't know why they haven't thrown the ball to Cook a lot this year, but I think that's something they need to get back in, into their offense. Um, but they still have good playmakers, and I think there's just too many points. I'm going to be on the Vikings. So Denver, uh, Von Miller's gone. I guess they want to keep 
their running backs the way they are. <laughs> you know, I look at all the skill talent there, and I wonder why they score 17 points a week. It's frustrating. And in, in NFL, where it's so easy to play offense, but they're going to need to play some offense this week because they're up against the smoking Cowboys, who I believe I've covered every week. They've become the darlings of the, the betting public. And now they're paying the tax. Dallas is spotting 10 to Denver at home. Total is 49 and a half. Um, man, I love the Cowboys as much as anybody. I, I think Kellen Moore's going places. The infrastructure of that team was heard from last week when they didn't have Dak and they still beat a decent Minnesota team. But now you're paying the line tax. Is 10 points too many against Denver? Yeah, I think I got to go Denver here. I think that, look, no trend lasts forever in the NFL. Uh, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to 1972 Dolphins this thing against a spread. I don't think that they're going to run the table. They're They're going to strip up with one of these big spreads. And I think people might, you know, people might have looked at this and I, you know, I'm based in Denver. So I heard a lot of this from Bron- upset Broncos fans of other oh, selling they're giving up. I think that the Rams just came to them with a deal that the Broncos were like, well, we can't turn this down. We just can't like Von Miller might not even be healthy the rest of the year. He's a free agent after the year. And you're going to give us a two and a three. Hey, Von, we'll, we'll see you in a few years when we, when you're going into our ring of fame. OK, we great run with you. Thank you. We can't pass up this trade. I think that that's all that was for the Broncos. I still think that they have hope anyway that at four and four they can still push and, and maybe get the seven seed, whatever that means. Uh, I think this Broncos team is it's not good by any means, but ten points. Ah, uh, yeah, I gotta do it because one of these weeks the Cowboys aren't going to cover a spread, and it's it's almost like you just you hate because I'm, I'm just like you. I think the Cowboys are good. I, I've come around completely to them. But I think that this is just in this spot, minus 10, uh, a little too much for me. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's probably too many points. Yeah, I'm glad the next two games are paired next to each other because I think what Belichick's doing in New England and what Peyton's doing in New Orleans mirror yeah. each other, right? Because the talent level in New England and New Orleans is not what we're accustomed to. Saints have all sorts of problems at quarterback. The Patriots don't have the same personnel they've had. Obviously, they're breaking in a rookie quarterback. They're both coming off really impressive wins and now they're they're paying a lot of freight in in the spread as a result we'll start with the patriots at panthers new england's a three and a half point favorite on the road so that they're basically saying this would be this line would be like the nine nine and a half range if this game was at new england total is just 41 and a half look belichick does this so commonly right his teams get better as the season goes along and he figures out what he has what he doesn't have he coaches up the talent on the roster but i mean can you give this many points to a panthers team that is not i don't think a doormat i i don't know because it just seems like, uh, of all the people, Bill Belichick's going to find a way to turn Sam Darnold over like five times. Like, I mean, it's uh, right. Like, I it, we've it, seen it. You're sure? Yeah, I've seen mean, so, Ghost Game, right? Yeah, Sam Darnold is just he, he. I don't know what you know who's what deal he made with the devil those first couple of weeks, but it is gone. He's just not the guy. And I will say this: like last week, I was on here and I mistakenly forgot that Christian McCaffrey had one more week on IR. Well, he's off IR this week. I have researched this. And, and Christian McCaffrey is expected to play on Sunday. And look, I, it's weird to be like this about a running back, but he just makes all the difference in the world to them. He's that good of a player. And you've seen the offense be pretty much turnover free without him and, and move up and down the field uh, and, and, and look like a good football team because McCaffrey's that good when he's healthy. Assuming McCaffrey plays, I don't know. I, I'll probably go back and forth on this. I'm I'm pro- I'm leaning Patriots right now. I might be talked into Panthers by the end of the week. It's one of those games where I don't have a real strong opinion on this. I, I do think that the Panthers are going to look better with McCaffrey, but what does that really mean? And especially against a Belichick defense that, that you know is going to pick apart whatever Sam Darnold does wrong. A couple of things here. W- one, one of the weaknesses to a good Patriot defense is they have struggled to contain pass-catching running backs and if McCaffrey plays, they're facing just about as good as a pass-catching running back as there is in the league. So that can be a problem. I wonder if the Panthers are smart enough to realize they, they have to unplug Darnold. Okay. By the way, did you notice, I, I tweeted this very late last night, Sam Darnold somehow was PFF's number one graded quarterback last week. And I know that Darnold ran for like 66 no, yards wait, and that number, has a value. Like number I don't one, know how this is Number possible. one in that game? Like, like uh, you're not talking about the whole NFL. He couldn't be. No way. Well, it, it, that's what the tweet said. And, wow. uh, and then some people were saying, no, no, he played better. His receivers let him down and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Sam Darnold has broken into PFF headquarters and, and <laughs> you know, hijacked. You know, Sam Darnold may know more about computer science than I've, I've known about because um, maybe he's cracked the code. Maybe he's broken the algorithm. But I don't know. Frank, you and I have been following football and breaking down football for a long time. 
And I don't know how that's possible. No. I, I, I saw he was wasn't my bad. eyes, the like, stats, whatever you want to go by. I I don't know what he did. What he averaged what four point six per attempt or five point four, <laughs> some some crummy oh, number. Man. They didn't score any points. They they lost the game. I I, I mean. Actually, they won. They won. Right? They did win. They did beat a bad Atlanta team that we'll get to in a second. But I don't know how that's possible. But uh, I don't either. It's out there. If anybody has a solution, I look. I love the PFF guy, so I'm not. This is not meant to be a slam at, at PFF. It's. I think it's sometimes it's just you know there's going to be what you see and what you intuitively know to, to be factual on the field. I mean that has to have some value too. And we can't, we can't just take numbers and say okay we're not going to question this or or try to figure out the genesis of it. I, I teased earlier the saints what a great job beating a good tampa bay team especially with trevor simeon brady just doesn't seem to play well against tampa bay he's played them for uh, against new orleans he's played them four times beat them in the playoffs but only threw for a buck 99 in that game mm-hmm. I and mean, sean payton's good but now good. sean payton has to spot six to atlanta and i realized the falcons looked terrible last week and just when it's thought they had pits going yeah pits had a step back calvin ridley's out uh indefinitely I and mean, we hope he gets better with whatever he's dealing with we certainly are mindful of what he's going through but the Saints, kind of like the that I talked about with the Steelers, right? Where I love them as a junkyard and underdog, but then when they're asked to give a big number, I don't know what Taysom Hill will get, assuming he'll start. I get a lean Atlanta here. It's not, it's not with a lot of conviction, and it's not going to be fun if you watch the game and, and Matt Ryan's shaking his head and they're down 23 nothing at halftime, which is probably in the range of outcomes. But I don't think I like the Saints enough to spot six to a team that I don't think is terrible. And I'll be honest, Saints, uh, and here's my reasons why. And I don't want to – I hate boiling stuff down like Calvin Ridley's mental health into like how we handicap a football game. But the Falcons offense without him is you, – you talk about narrow passing trees. Like the, there's no branches left on that tree. It's just the Kyle Pitts branch, and that's it. And I think the Saints, Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, and Sean Payton are smart enough to say – these guys have one target basically, and he's a rookie tight end. We can take him out of the game, make sure Corderell doesn't kill us, and we can shut down this offense. And I think the Saints are going to have that boost. We talked about new quarterback. And even though it's an old quarterback, it's Taysom Hill, I think that, you know, he he's going to be fine. I really do. I think that Sean is going to – everybody's talking about, oh, they should sign Cam Newton, and now Phillip Rivers is even talking about if they called, I'd listen. No, go with Taysom. Taysom, I, I don't love Taysom as a full-time quarterback. I really don't. But he does things that really make life tough on a defense. He, he'll he be very mobile. He, he can throw the ball. He had four starts last year when Breeze was hurt, and he played pretty well. I think that they're going to rally around Taysom. I think they're going to play really well this week. I don't think the Falcons are going to have any answers on offense without Calvin Ridley. I, this isn't the Dolphins' defense. It's just kind of, you know, the, the Falcons took advantage of a couple weeks ago. This is just a, a a much better defense that without Calvin Ridley, this offense is going to struggle. I'll take the Saints. I'll, I'll, this is a prime teaser opportunity for me. I'll probably have minus six two. I just think they're a, they're a far better team, and the Falcons are going to struggle to score a ball. I, I will admit, even though I, I did give out a very lukewarm lean on Atlanta, I have to see if I have New Orleans available in elimination pools because I mm-hmm. may need them this week. I don't have a lot of the big favorites. You know, Buffalo is not available to me. We'll get to that game in a little bit. So I may need to, to rely on Sean Payton and Taysom Hill. And I agree with you. You know, Hill has acquitted himself two or three years ago. I made all the jokes about how Sean Payton was going to, you know, was going to you know, lose on, on Taysom Hill. He was going to die on Taysom Hill. And uh, <laughs> Taysom Hill was a better player than I, I wanted yeah. to admit that he could be. Uh, Agreed. You know, he's have to concede that. So the next game on the, on the slate is the Raiders at Giants. And um, there's no easy way to discuss this, but uh, Henry Ruggs was involved in a serious car crash Tuesday morning. There was a fatality and the Vegas police is confirming that Ruggs will be charged with felony DUI resulting in death, uh, which carries anywhere from a two to 20 year prison sentence. Awful story. Just you, you hate to, to see something like this, the loss of life, but we're still getting more information on it. So I don't want to say too much about it, but we have to note that. Before we get into the game, there's no easy way to segue about it. Uh, the Raiders are a three-point favorite at the Giants, and the total is 47 and a half. Uh, what do you make of this one? I mean, yeah, it's it, I, everything you just said about the story itself. It's just sad beyond belief by so many levels. Just terrible, awful. You're you just you just feel sick to your stomach when you hear about it, and it, it just it, it's it's awful. It's an awful, awful story. One of the worst we've heard of in a long time. But we're here to talk about a football game and. Look, I thought the Raiders were in a prime spot here. I thought minus three. I think this is a team that really believes it can win the AFC West. I think they've kind of rallied around each other post-Gruden. I think that they remember the collapses of the last couple of years and they're going to come out and play well. But honestly, like, and I, again, I, just like the last game, I hate boiling these 
real life stories down to what does it mean for the betting line? But we have no idea how the Raiders are going to react to this. It's not one of those stories you kind of like rally around. You're like, oh my God, like this guy did something horrible. Like he's, he's screwed up his whole life and he killed somebody. Maybe illegal. We'll see what happens legally there. But it's, I don't know how the Raiders respond to that. I don't know how that you could be like excited to go play a football game when that just happened regarding your teammate. I don't love the Giants by any means. I'm just, I'm just going to be laying off this game. Maybe just because I feel kind of dirty, even betting on a football game and trying to find an angle with this Henry Rugg story. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lean on it either. I, it's hard for me to imagine the Raiders having focus for a week like this after something so terrible happens. You know, we're, somebody loses their life and somebody's life is radically changed. It's just everybody loses in a situation like that. And I, I just hope, you know, the, the true, the, the best form of justice comes out and we get all the facts and everything, but it's just, nobody likes talking about it. Nobody likes seeing it. It's just an awful story. Let's uh, move on. Uh, Buffalo, uh, they weren't great against Miami, but they got the job done. They did get the ticket, although Miami teased with a recover for a while, but now they go to play Jacksonville, which is a team. I, you know, if Jacksonville took the rest of the season off, I don't think anybody would miss them. Uh, the, the line, you know, I think you might have alluded to this in your first look at the lines. Buffalo opened as a 14-point favorite. It's 14.5 right now. And even that seemed a little bit low as a, as a road team because Jacksonville is just so terrible. And, and Buffalo right now is, is probably the best team in the AFC. I hate games with big spreads. I, I Very rarely do I do much with them. But uh, what was your lean on Buffalo-Jacksonville? Uh, again, like the, the Jaguars are getting this weird respect. I thought last week's line, when they were plus three and a half against the Seahawks, that was almost one of those games where I was like, what am I missing? Why why is this awful Jaguars team only plus three? And like, well, they should be plus eight, plus nine. I know Geno's no good, but uh, yeah, the Jaguars aren't either. I'm not going to bet on this game. I'll be picking the Bills in our pickums with what we're picking against the spread just because I have no faith in the Jaguars. Uh, and, and this Bills team, they're... The problem I have with the Bills is they do seem like a turn it on, turn it off team at times where, uh, you know, they're they're just not playing at their top gear all the time. They certainly didn't last week. I mean, it was 3-3 at the half and you're like, what's going on with the Bills? And then they just kind of, OK, let's roll the balls out in the second half and get a win. I, I could see the same thing happening this week, but there's no way I'm going to be on the Jaguars here because I just I, I have no faith in them covering <laughs> covering a number even when this big. Yeah, I, I, hate, I hate spotting big numbers, but I might have to do it with Buffalo. Not a game I would put any real money on for sure. The best for last, uh, the 1-7 Texans, the 1-7 Dolphins. And man, how much would the Patriots love to have that Dolphins game back if, if Harris doesn't fumble around the 10-yard line? Miami is actually spotting 6.5 at home in this game. The total is 46. I will give you a prop. I, we gave you Jonathan Taylor last week. You had to bet it early. So when the window's open, Frank, ping me about Miles Gaskin. Okay, He's gotten a lot, mm. what, 34 touches the last two weeks. Houston can't stop a nosebleed. Browns out of the mix for Miami, which just tidies things up a little bit. And I think they just look at Ahmed as a backup. Uh, Gaskin's getting usage. I think you'll probably get a good number on him to open. I, I'm going to look. I don't know if it'll be a total yards prop or a rushing prop, but I'm going to do something with Miles Gaskin. Don't know that I like the game so much, but uh, I'll give you the Gaskin prop as my lean here. I, I like that too. And I just think this Texans team is as bad as I thought they were going to be in the preseason. I mean, I. That win over the Jaguars, my goodness, the Jaguars. The Jaguars were so unprepared in week one. This is a Texans team that's just going to – they're probably going to lose out unless they beat the Jaguars again. Like, And I get Tyrod Taylor's probably back this week. He, he makes them more competitive. I don't Look, I'm not going to put any of my hard-earned money on the Miami Dolphins. Trust me on that one. But I think that the, they're the right side here just because the Texans are, are one of the worst NFL teams you're going to find. They don't do anything well. They seem to lose a lot of their fight when Mark Ingram got traded, even though the players in the locker room should understand what's going on there. I just, I'll, I'll pick the Dolphins in our pools, but trust me, you don't have to bet on every game, people. You don't, I, I swear to you, you could, you could pass on some of these ones. Pass on this one, because even if you, even if you have your money on it, you will not want to be watching this one. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have the nerve to take Miami as an elimination pool pick? Oh, no. No, I can't. I can't trust them. I just can't. I, I just think people, that, We're deep enough in the season that people, a lot of the teams you to. want are not available. And there's a lot of games where the spread is close to even where, you know, you're not going to take, um, I don't know. There's a lot of games you're just not going to touch. You know, I think Cincinnati's probably the right side. You talked me into it, but I'm not going to take them for elimination no. against Cleveland. So I don't know. I, Miami's a team I have to cons- I have to have a Miami discussion with myself uh, for elimination oh, purposes. I, I, I just I, they're one in seven, Frank. They're one in seven. Scott, how how bad would you feel about yourself if you get the week nine on a survivor pool and then you're like, 
Oh boy, how did you get knocked out, Scott? Oh, I, I took the one in seven dolphins. But that's, that's friendliest loss, though. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I get make my angle. decision based on what it. makes me feel the worst if I don't get what I want. You know, that's not a, I, I, I understand what you're saying, right? Uh, it's like, oh, congratulations, you get knocked out by the one in one in eight dolphins. Way to go! You know, yeah, that, that's, that that would that's, be some. In fact, you know what? That may be a badge of honor. Maybe I have to take my. Yeah, maybe. Did, let me know if you do because I am. Boy, I'll be. I'll, I'll take myself on Sunday. I'm sure you'll be. Getting, you'll be getting a lot of texts from me at like two thirty. Like, why didn't you talk me out of the why? dolphins? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll blame you. Okay, well. Uh, we don't have conviction on that game, but now this is uh, our area where we do give you conviction picks. Um, now that we've talked them through, give me a pick or two that uh, you know you're going to be on Sunday. Uh, absolutely, the Chargers. I, I think that that's one that's really calling out to me. And if hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And maybe they're just as mediocre as the Eagles, but I want to believe in this Chargers team. I think Vikings are getting too many points. I think the Bengals are a good play. I really like the Packers, and I'll be on the 49ers too. They're not as heavy as those other, not as strong as those other four. I, I but and and the Titans too are in that mix. I, I like. There's a lot of games I like on this slate, and I think the, those four I mentioned first of all, and then uh, the 49ers and Titans too are going to be on my card. Yeah, the the Chargers. I, I still hold out hope that the Chargers can do something with their season. I just don't think Philadelphia's going anywhere, and maybe this will be a, a fork in the road game where it's like the chart. We look at like okay. This is where we knew that the Chargers were still a team not to give up on, where the Eagles aren't going anywhere. I, I still think Staley's a good coach. I certainly think Herbert is everything we thought he was. It's just, you're going to have some bad games. So I, I they're one of my stronger leans. And although I didn't start off this way in the discussion, I, I think I could only be on Cincinnati. There are some sides. It's not that I'm going to pound the, the Packers as a bet, but I could not bet Kansas City right now. It's not that I'm going to pound the Bears, but I could never bet Pittsburgh, giving that number at home. So a lot of the underdog, you know, the tight. I have to take the Titans over the Rams. Just that's betting a number, right? It's not always right. betting the team; it's betting yep. the number. Absolutely. There's a lot of numbers this week. I even felt that way. I know it's no fun to bet against Belichick, but I kind of thought that Carolina was a number that I had to take too. Uh, but the Chargers, I think the Chargers are the one game that you and I certainly are are very much simpatico on for Week Nine. Agree, disagree? Uh, share your thoughts with us on social. Um, you're welcome to follow Frank at Yahoo Schwab. Welcome to follow me at Scott underscore Pianowski. The Yahoo fantasy handle will get you all the fantasy football advice and, and stuff that you need. And if you're into betting podcasts, uh, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily on your podcast platform of choice. You'll get a lot of Frank Schwab, hardest working man in handicapping that I know of anyway. You get a lot of Frank Schwab on the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily along with the rest of the crew. We, we've made some really great hires by the way uh over at yahoo sportsbook so we, we get all sorts of people giving great advice a lot of fresh takes and a lot of different styles and i'm sure there'll be somebody um that that clicks with you i mean frank schwab's my guy but there's a lot of other people doing great work over there so i hope you check them out it's really quality programming as for this show matt dalton they'll be back tomorrow they'll be doing their stat nerd thursday thing and they'll give you a preview of the jets Colts. man do we need that <laughs> mike white until then, straight cash, homie. Go cash some tickets. Go bet a little Miles Gaskin. We are out. <laughs>